Come on, can you clap your hands to the Lord? Praise God. Praise God. Remain standing. Why don't we open up our Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 28. What an honor and privilege it is to be able to be here on a Wednesday night. I made it by the grace of God. Uh, there was a wreck with like four different uh, vehicles uh, about five miles before this exit, uh, exit 97. And so uh, we'll be praying for them and the Lord... The Lord knows what needs to happen as far as we were supposed to be here at about 645, so who knows if the Lord protected us on the journey here, so God's in control. I'm just glad it worked out for us to be here and spend time with this wonderful family, this wonderful church, so I want to get into this word, and uh, it's been just weighing on me all day. And I pray that I can give it to you as the Lord has given it to me. Genesis chapter 28 and verse 10. Genesis chapter 28 and verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took up the stones of that place and put them for pillows and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, and the land where thou liest to thee when I give it to thee and thy seed. And now I want to go to verse 16. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. There is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And he rose up early in the morning, took the stone that he had put for his pillows, and set it up for a pillar, and poured oil on the top of it. And he named that place Bethel. And we'll go again to verse 21, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, and the Lord shall be my God. Last scripture, verse 22, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about how that stone became a pillow, and that pillow became a pillar, and that pillar became God's house. And I want to preach about the process. Boy, I feel it weighing on me already. I'm in, I'm in trouble in this place. Hallelujah. Hey, why don't you clap your hands to the Lord? I'm going to be, we're going to get, <laughs> we're going to get deep. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're going to, we're going to go a little deep tonight. Is that all right? Just going to go a little deep in this place. That stone became a pillow, that pillow became a pillar, and that pillar became God's house. And that's what I want to talk about, the process. Now, now anything, anybody that's going to be used by God, anybody that's going to make an impact 
in the kingdom of God, God will always put them through a process. Uh, God will always put chosen vessels into a process. Notice it was only the disciples that got to go into the storm. The multitudes were left on shore. Uh, the multitudes, you can follow me at a distance, but I'm going to use the storm to make these people into my disciples. The storm was the bridge from multitudes to disciples and disciples uh, to apostles. Now, now that word multitudes, it literally means a disorganized crowd. That's what, that's what multitudes means, a disorganized crowd. Uh, disciples means discipline. Come on, somebody. And he said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Meaning you can't make yourself, but if you get into my presence, my presence is going to start shedding some things off of you and then imparting some things into you as well. Anything, any person that God desires to use will always go through some type of process. When he called Abraham, the Lord had said unto Abraham while he was in Mesopotamia, uh, God spoke to him and said, leave your father's house and I'm going to bless you. And what did Abraham do? He brought his father with him to the halfway point to Canaan uh, land to Haran come on God said don't bring your daddy first thing Abraham did was like hey come on dad uh, so God had to kill his daddy in Haran to get Abraham's foot to get to stepping because he was only partial obedience are you getting it it was a process. He started the journey, but he wasn't fully obedient yet. He was Abram brought his dad, so God had to kill his dad. And then when he started his journey again, guess what? He still brought Lot. Lot is still your father's house. So God had to create friction between him and Lot to get him to leave Lot. Come on, somebody. God had to put Abram through a process so he could finally become Abraham. He couldn't call him Abraham in the beginning. He had to bring him through a little bit of stuff to perfect and sanctify him. He couldn't handle being Abraham in the beginning. Y'all going to make me preach in here. He, he could not handle the covenant of circumcision in the beginning. Lord, had to put him through a process. To shed some Mesopotamian tendencies off of him. All right, all right, okay. Here we go, here we go. Oh, Lord. Uh, Luke talks about the lost sheep. And the Bible says that the shepherd will leave the 99 in the wilderness to go find the one. He'll leave the 99 in the wilderness to go find the one. Now, how did the one get lost? Matthew 18 and 12. Matthew 18 and 12, the Bible says, 
Matthew 18 and 12, look what it says. How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which has gone astray? Ooh, Lord. The one got lost when he tried to escape the process. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. <laughs> Help me. The wilderness is the process. And the one got tired of being in the wilderness. So he said, I want the mountain of blessing. And he got lost in his pursuit of the mountain. I don't want the mountain if the shepherd isn't there. If the shepherd's in the wilderness, guess where I'm going to be? Come on, somebody. Just give me a relationship with the shepherd while I'm in the process. You know how many people get lost uh, trying to escape the process, my Lord? Uh, they say, I don't like what's going on with this congregation. Uh, the whole congregation in the wilderness, I just don't like it. Uh, you know what? Let me apply for some job somewhere. Uh, I got to leave this process. Uh, I got to go get my own individual success. Come on, somebody. Uh, hey, you know what? They leave. Uh, hey, you know what happens? The storm follows them. Come on, somebody. Because if you you don't graduate from it now it's gonna follow you for the rest of your life so you might as well hunker down stay in this thing until the glory and the power of God shed some things off of your life oh I wish somebody would clap their hands if you hear what I'm preaching hey hallelujah Hallelujah, got lost when it tried to escape the process. The process, it isn't fun, but it is what God brings everybody through. Everybody has to go through a period of, of distress and process. Joseph, you have to go through this pit. You have to go through this prison. You got to go through Potiphar's house because I am perfecting you. I'm putting integrity on the inside of you. I'm putting things into your spirit that you're going to need later when you get in the palace. You're getting wisdom through this experience. Come on, somebody. I just needed somebody I could trust enough to survive. To survive the wilderness. And I will. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. It's the, everybody, only the chosen go through the process. <laughs> amen. Only, only the chosen go through the process. Now, now everybody goes through it. And here, here, here's the thing. In the process, we get nervous because we're more prone to failure in the process. Oh, Lord. You see yourself in the mirror on all your flaws in the process. Come on, you try, you try to escape from yourself. <laughs> like, I hate what I see. Come on now. 
You're faced with those realizations of all of your inadequacies and all of your failures and everything that's wrong with you. God is trying to, to shed some things off of your life in that moment. The process. Uh, the disciples went through a process. Matthew, we, we, all, we always condemn the disciples because remember when the disciples could not cast the devil out? Remember that? Remember when the disciples failed? Matthew 17, 21, and Jesus told them, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. And we all judge the disciples because they're like, hold on, man. You wasn't spiritual enough to cast the devil out. Now, now, I would have, I, I have a problem with this text because Matthew 17, 21, it says, this kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting, almost as a rebuke. But when I look at a few chapters earlier in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, I see the solution to what God was trying to say to the people. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, then came to him the disciples of John saying, why do we in the Pharisees fast often? But thy disciples fast not next verse he said can the children and he said can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them and then shall they fast he commands them not to fast until he dies he's buried he rises again, and then he goes back and ascends to heaven. He says, don't fast until I ascend. Yet the disciples can't pass the devil out, and the first thing he says is, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. The disciples look at him like, who help me, Lord? What was God trying to teach them? What God was doing was God said, I allowed your failure to teach you how to operate in your future. God had already given them power to cast out devils without fasting. But God let his word work until that moment. Because God needed them to fail. To know how to behave after the Holy Ghost was poured out. So then they would pray and fast later. But God said, i got to allow you to fail now. Because I factored your failure into your future. And your failure was just a part of the process. And I was using it. Y'all gonna throw me out of here. Help me, Holy Ghost. Help. I said failure is a part of the process. I said whenever Jesus brought his disciples into the ship, after he showed his unlimited power of feeding the 5,000, he brings them into the ship. Why? He brings them into a controlled environment where they can fail and nobody else knew about it. Help me, Holy Ghost. It was there where he showed them their lack of faith and their doubts. But the multitude 
multitudes didn't see it. Why? He wouldn't show it to the multitudes because they wouldn't be able to receive what Peter said at Pentecost later if he showed them the disciples' flaws. So God said, I'm going to get you alone for a while in this process and I'm going to start revealing yourself to you and I'm going to start pouring in the right things. I'm going to empty you and pour in me. I'm going to teach you in this time. Okay. Is this making sense? Is this making sense? Oh, the process. The process. Let me tell you what the process looks like. Let me t- tell you what the process looks like now. Now, the, the calling, destiny, purpose, it's at the top of the mountain. But here you are at the bottom of the mountain with all this baggage all around you. And every church service, you look up at the mountain and you believe. But every, every Monday and every Thursday, you come back and look down at the baggage. And you say, I can't get up there. You say, I can't get up there. And so you, you use your baggage, help me, as an excuse for disobedience. Or, okay, okay. You, you use your past as an excuse to sabotage your future. Oh, okay, okay. I could say it like several ways. Did you know that? That's what preachers do. We just say the same thing like 10 times. Hallelujah. Just different ways. Praise the Lord. But, but check this out. They, 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 you have to be willing. You got to get so persuaded of the promise, listen, that you start walking with the baggage. And if you start walking with the baggage, there comes a moment where you say, you know what? If I'm going to reach that, I cannot take another step until I cut some of this baggage off and you cut some baggage and you start walking some more and you say you know what I can't take another step until I cut some of this baggage off and you take another step what am I saying the process will sanctify you in your pursuit of the promise I said the process will start shedding stuff off of you if you start walking, but you say, but, but pastor, I don't really want to volunteer like that yet. I still got some issues. Well, just start walking with your issues. But pastor, pastor, but come on. I See, I'm talking to you. You've been using your past. Uh, my Lord, you've been using your past as a scapegoat for five years. How long are you going to use your history? Your past walking to church got bullet holes all in it, got knife wounds bleeding because you use it for everything. You use your past as the reason that you're dysfunctional today. You use your past as the reason why you don't volunteer. You use your past as the reason why you don't worship. Come on, somebody. Why don't you start walking with the mist of your past? and let the future Amen Let the future begin to take care of the past You gotta just start getting persuaded
I remember when I first got in church and you wouldn't believe it. When I got in church, can you believe it? I had a goatee. Can you believe it? I had a goatee. Listen, I had diamond earrings in both ears. Y'all not hearing me out here. I had a tank top on, Jordan shorts, Jordan slippers, Jordan socks, Jordan headband. Watch this. And a big Jesus peace medallion. Watch this. Diamonds in the crown of thorns. Y'all not hearing me out there. Dysfunctional. Raised in an abusive home. Abused for the first 11 years of my life. Beaten, broken, dysfunctional. Dysfunctional tendencies. I get saved. Listen. And God calls that boy into the ministry. See, you're looking at me in my post-process. Come on, somebody. You didn't know what I was before. God started working on me because I allowed him to. Amen. You don't know. You're looking at my post process. Thought I was raised in a, with a suit on or something. Thought I, thought I came out of the womb speaking in tongues with a tie on or something. Come on, somebody. I said I was abused. I was beaten. I could go in depth with that. I could go really in depth in that. Uh, bruises all over my body all the time. Babbled for the first five years of my life. Couldn't speak a word of English until I went to speech therapy for a year in kindergarten uh, because of the abuse. Traumatized uh, for the first 11 years of my life. Psychologically abused uh, for the first 18 years of my life. And God looked at that boy uh, and said, I'm calling you to the ministry. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, and I'm looking at all my baggage. I'm like, God, how are you going to use me? Uh, he said, you just keep your head lifted up. Uh, and get focused on the promise uh, I'll take care of the baggage uh, if you just start walking come on and as I begin to walk uh, all of a sudden I said I don't really need these earrings uh, I started walking uh, I said you know what I don't need this chain uh, I started walking uh, and I said come on uh, I want to dress a little different come on the process uh, begin to sanctify me into what I am now I'm just saying, let him work. But, but, but you don't know, but just let him. <laughs> it's amazing how people use their past and, as an excuse not to be involved in the church. But they don't use their past history with the church as an excuse to not be involved with the world. They use their past as an excuse to not get involved with the church, but they don't use their past church experience as an excuse to not get involved with the world. See, we, all, we, we bring up our past selectively. When we feel uncomfortable, oh, past. We would like some people to get involved. Past. 
We're looking for somebody to answer the call to past. But if you go back in the world, they ask you to get involved in stuff. You don't say, church. But, but we need you to. No, I, church. Amen. So, 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 so all of a sudden as I'm walking and God's shitting off this baggage, I was like, I wonder what I would look like with a suit on. Someone gave me a suit and I went to my first TTF. I was like literally maybe two months in church, 2009. I went to Touch the Future conference and they gave me this suit. But, and so I was in the mirror looking at this suit and I met my friends. I was like, and I got this goatee. I'm like, I wonder what would happen if I shaved. And I'd never shaved before. There was just a razor right there. I picked the razor, just did it with some water. No soap. No shaving cream. I told you I was in the process. I was in the <laughs> And after I was done, I was like, I look like a baby. I text my friend. I said, bro, are you going to be there tonight? He goes, yeah. My friend Ricardo. I said, bro, I'm about to make you laugh. I went to church. He saw me with shaved. He started laughing. And the next day, I had so many bumps and zits all over my face. I was like, how did these people do this all the time? They were like, they were like oh, you didn't use shaving cream? I'm like, oh, that's what that's for. <laughs> my first suit, my... One of my first suits, they, got, they gave me a three-piece brown suit. <laughs> I think they were picking on me, Brother Kyle. A three-piece brown suit, and it was a vest made for a bow tie, meaning that, that it's only for a bow tie because the vest comes up so high. Oh, I didn't know any better. I was trying to wear a tie under my vest with a bow that was meant for a bow tie. So the vest kept covering my tie. So at church, I'm walking around like this. I had it up like that. Nobody told me nothing. Can you believe that? They probably looked at me, that boy's just in the process. He's just in the process. I had white socks on with black Air Force Ones and a brown three-piece suit. Y'all not hearing me right now. But I just started the journey. I just started walking. I didn't know any better, but I was so hungry. And all of a sudden, God said, you know what? You need to start matching. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You need to start matching, and you don't look good with a bow tie. Okay, Lord, okay. The process. Begin, begin to mold me. Begin to shed off dysfunctional tendencies off of me. Come on, somebody. Begin to shed off things off of my spirit. And he just began to conform me. I'm still in the process. You just don't graduate from the process. Come on, somebody. I'm closer than I've ever been, but I'm not there yet. I'm not going to get there until he comes and gets me, until he calls me home. But, you know, I'm so persuaded. Come on, somebody. You've got to learn to be so persuaded that history can't hold you. Okay. 
If I'm helping you, can you wave a hand? All right, all right. No, no, no. Let me get into this. Let me get into this stone. Oh, Lord, I'm getting excited. Let me get into this stone. We got we to get into this because Jacob is fleeing from, from Esau. Esau wants to kill him. And, and Jacob is going back to Mesopotamia. This is important. Uh, this was where uh, his, his, his mom was raised. Uh, this is where his granddad was from, Mesopotamia. Uh, he is going back to Mesopotamia, uh, understanding that he has to start a new life. This is important. Uh, and while he is fleeing, uh, while he is fleeing from, from his, his brother, uh, uh, the Bible says he came to a dark place. He came to a certain place. Uh, and when he came to that dark place, remember, he's leaving everything. He's leaving his home. Uh, he thinks that he's failed God. Uh, he, he knows he has to start a new beginning. Uh, and the Bible says he took a stone from that place uh, and he put his head upon that stone and he made it for a pillow. Now, now we, just read, we just read that and move on, but that's important. God is trying to tell us something here because the pillow was first invented in Mesopotamia. Boy, I'm about to help somebody. The pillow was invented by the Mesopotamians at least two to 4,000 years before this moment. And they used stones, not feathers. Feathers didn't come until much, much later. They used stones for pillows. And only the wealthy used stones for pillows. You could only find a, a pillow that was made of stone in, in a palace or, or a wealthy person's home. Poor people didn't have pillows. These pillows were made out of stone. So Jacob, knowing he's going back to Mesopotamia, he thinks he may never return home. So he puts his head on this stone and he makes it for a pillow because he believes and he has dreams that somehow he's going to be wealthy when he goes back. Oh, Lord. And then he has a dream, and that was a Mesopotamian dream that he had. A Mesopotamian religious dream. He had a dream of the angels of God ascending and descending on a ladder. That was a Mesopotamian religious dream. The religion of Mesopotamia in that day, they believed it was a ziggurat. That dream he had, it, it literally means a staircase to heaven. That dream that he had was a staircase to heaven. It was a ziggurat where if you ever seen it like almost in a triangle shape, almost like a pyramid, these staircases go to heaven and they would have the shrines of the gods at the top of this, of this, of this ziggurat. And these Mesopotamians believed that the angels ascended and descended upon this staircase, sending messages to, to the God there and bringing back messages down. My Lord, I'm going to teach to somebody. And so Jacob has a Mesopotamian religious dream. But the Bible says that the Lord stood above the ladder. Not on it. Above it. 
What God was saying was, I will not be confined to your religious thought process of me. I will not be confined to your religious background or the Mesopotamian confines of that religion. I am greater than that religion. I am greater than the ancestry of Abraham and what he came out of. I am greater. And if I was to preach, if I was to teach you a lesson on oneness, I would point out to you that in the Old Testament, God comes above the ladder. But in John 1, Jesus said, this day you're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man in the old testament god stands above the ladder in the new testament god comes below the ladder he puts his body below the ladder because god understood that your religion has to kill me before you can see me y'all gonna be Help me, Holy Ghost. The religious idea, he says, he puts his body, God, instead of being sovereign above everything, he humbles himself in a body under the ladder, under the religious context, and allows the Jews to put him on the cross. That's what Peter said. The determinant council took him with wicked hands, my Lord. In other words, the Jews conspired. The Jews' Judaism conspired to put God on the cross, and God said, I'm going to allow you to do it huh? because it's only when your religious ideals kill me huh, that you can finally see me huh? and when Peter began to preach huh, that your religion put him on the cross huh, they said what shall we do huh, to be saved huh? then Peter said unto them huh, repent and be baptized huh, every one of you huh, in the name of Jesus Christ huh, for the remission of sins huh, and ye shall receive the gift huh, of the Holy Ghost huh, but you can only see it uh, until. <laughs> All right. Hey Amen. All right. Move on. Move on. Hallelujah. So it was a Mesopotamian influence dream. The, pillow, the stone becomes a pillow. The pillow becomes a pillar. And then the pillar, he calls it God's house. It says, God, I'm going to give you a tenth of all. Why is this important? This is the first time you see God dealing with Jacob in this fashion because he has a dream of the angels. But if you look in Genesis 32, is this helping somebody? I'm sorry. I'm just trying to. I'm just, I, know, I know we're on a time limit here. I apologize that I'm rushing a little bit. But uh, I'm just trying to help you. Genesis 32, before, before Jacob... Uh, is about to send the message to Esau. Genesis 32 and 2. Look at this. It says, and when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called, no, no, verse 31. I'm sorry. Genesis 32 and verse 1. And Jacob went on his way, listen, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Now we see Jacob growing in the process because first he has a dream of angels. Then in Genesis 32, 1, now the Bible says the angels came to meet him. You see the growing process here because it's a host now. But notice that when the host of angels come, notice that Jacob isn't changed afterwards. Oh, I'm going to help you. It's a host of angels, angels everywhere. It's a great Sunday morning church service. 
But Jacob's surrounded by this glory, but he's not changed yet. His name's not changed, and he's still not limping. But he's having good church. Host of angels. Like, oh, hey, yeah. Hey! Angel! That's hot angel! But are you changed yet? And you watch everybody else worship it with the angels. And you're like, that's good for me. Let them do it. See, change didn't happen until he grew. And first he had a dream of angels. Then the angels met him. Then the Bible says that he wrestled with an angel. Where he was tired of it just being a host of angels. But he got one and wrestled with it until something changed in him. Change didn't happen until he had a personal encounter. Where he's not living off of other people's praise. Living off of other people's worship. uh, Living off of other people's, uh, come on, fasting. Come on, somebody. Hey, hey, when they give a fast, that's not just for a select group of soldiers. That's for the whole body. Come on, because you need a personal encounter in order for a change to happen in your body. Host of angels, Sunday morning. Hey, host, yeah. Watch this. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. But 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 you don't. Ever, somebody has to pray for you before you break through. When's the last time you broke through for yourself? Because change only happens when you decide, I'm not leaving this altar until something begins to break in me. I am tired of being Jacob, and I am ready to become Israel. But it has to be an encounter. You know, you know, amen. You're in the process to provoke an encounter. He was so desperate, he was afraid his brother was going to kill him. It finally provoked an encounter where the angels of God met me, but I didn't get changed. But when I met the angel, see, it's the difference between angels coming down to meet you and you going to meet the angel. It's the difference between God coming down on a service and you coming down on God. Come on, when's the last time you got in God's face? No, 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 this is you. This is, I'm just waiting. Wait, wait, waiting on the world to change, right? I'm just waiting. Here's me, Lord. Look, 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 you the whole service, look. I know I don't feel man. Everybody got the poker face on now. People look at me like. I'm talking to you. 
He say you're so desperate for a miracle, but look in service. That, that, I'm sorry, that don't look desperate. That look constipated. That's what that look like. Look like you mad at me. Look like you about to tackle me. Never, I preach on encouragement. You about to tackle me. Sometimes I get nervous when people run up to this altar to put something down. I'm like, hold on, hold on. We're good. We're good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You ain't going to tackle me now, huh? The only time some people run is when they mad. Come on, somebody. Come on. You're so, you're so desperate, you don't even get up in service. Everybody stand. You're like, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I don't feel them. Look, look, the host of angels is all around you, but the problem is you haven't grabbed one yet. It takes energy to start getting up and grabbing it. Come on, I'm not letting another angel pass me by when my family needs a breakthrough. I'm not letting another angelic being pass my family when we're battling like we're battling. I'm getting out of the corner and I'm coming on the offensive and I'm going after God and I don't have to sit back and let the devil beat me up. I can open up my mouth and start declaring something. Okay. It's okay for a Wednesday night. We're good. Amen. Amen. Here it is. Here it is. He doesn't get changed until he starts limping. When was the last time you left this service and just limping? Limping because your knees were on the ground for 45 minutes interceding. He just kind of staggered out here. What happened to you? I'll tell you what, I got a hold of God that I know. When's the last time you, you were so desperate, come on somebody, that you did as best as you were physically able to do to get a touch from God? And the angel said, no more shall your name be called Jacob, but it's going to be Israel. Because as a, prevent, a prince, you prevail with men and with God. But, but here's what I want to point out with you. Everyone thinks that Jacob's process ends there. It doesn't. Because the angel called his name Israel. But God didn't call his name Israel yet. Well, y'all going to throw me out of here. I'm telling you. I said, I said the angel called his name Israel. Israel. But God didn't say that. Huh. Genesis 35, he goes back to Bethel after he reconciles with his brother. Genesis 35, he goes back to Bethel 
Listen, Genesis 35, 1, and God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, Look, and all that were with them, put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean and change your garments. Listen, verse 7, and he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. Listen, but Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak. Listen, verse 10, and God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. This was after his supernatural experience. But God said, your name is still Jacob. Oh, my Lord. Thy name shall not be called anymore Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. The process wasn't over. Because Jacob, listen, had a supernatural experience. Listen, but he still has strange gods in his hand. He had a supernatural experience, yet he still has strange gods in his hand. And his lifestyle didn't match his experience yet. And God wouldn't recognize him as Israel until his lifestyle caught up with his prophecy. I said there's been prophecies over you and over your family and over this church that God's just waiting on your lifestyle to start catching up with it. Here it is. God didn't call him Israel. Listen, until number one, he reconciled with his brother. Number two, he built an altar. Number three, he put away the strange gods. Number four, Rebecca's nurse, Deborah, died. Why is that important? Rebecca's nurse, Deborah, that was the one that raised Jacob along with Rebecca. Oh, Lord. There was an emotional attachment. There was a bond between them because that was the custom during this time that the nurse would take care of the child most of the time. And when she died, there was a brokenness in Jacob when he buried her. And God says, now you're ready to be called Israel. They had a supernatural experience, but you're still holding grudges against your brother. Oh, oh, that don't happen here. You got a supernatural experience, but you're holding grudges against your sister. Hello? And you, and you pride yourself and say, I ain't forgiven her. Oh, boy. You see, you see, you see that? Here it is. Here it is. You know what happens? Let me tell you what happens. Because you have a supernatural experience. 
And yet you're still, see, in church folk, we don't show people we're mad at them. What we do is we ignore them. We just act like they don't exist. You'll be coming with the supernatural experience, coming down this altar, tears coming down, down your face, and all of a sudden you see them to the left, and look, you're crying. Look. You know they always pray on this side, so look at you. You got tears. Can you believe? You got tears coming down your eyes, and yet you don't agree with that person. Look, here's oh God, I need you. I need. And God's like, how am I going to change you if you can't even exercise forgiveness, which is the fundamental doctrine of Christianity? How am I going to change you until you let me get in your spirit and begin to heal you of all the bitterness and everything that's holding you hostage? Got tears in your eyes. Oh, I need you, God. Look, look, look. You, you're not even praying in an altar. You're just like this. But you see them walk past. You say, oh, God. I, need. Like, I hope they don't talk to me. I just hope they don't talk to me. I'm going to act like I'm praying. So come on, somebody. Look, look. As soon as they walk, look. You, oh, God. I need you. Y'all got to escape. Y'all some Houdinis. Got the escape route. You see them look at you like, this is real talk. This is real talk. This is real. You escape them. You know they're on that side. You always sit on this side. You know they're on this side. You always sit on that side. You know they always use that door, so you always use the other door. You know, look, look, look. hey, hey, we're having such and such. We're going to have an event for the church. Uh, is so-and-so going to be there? Yeah, they're going to be there. I- I'm busy that day. So God's like, how I'm going to use you where you can't even handle forgiveness and you're holding these strange gods from your history and your genealogy because your grandma always told you to get even and your grandpa always told you not to turn the other cheek but hold that grudge for the rest of your life and you've been under a generational curse of unforgiveness and you wonder why you can't break out of poverty and break out of purpose. No! you got to learn to break that and let the Spirit of God begin to get a hold of you. I wish you would clap if you hear what I'm saying. How, how you hold a grudge for three years? Is it really worth you not breaking through? Is it really worth this church not breaking through? Let me minister to you in the Holy Ghost. Every time there is a forward momentum, somebody's human spirit gets stronger, gets another person's human spirit here. 
Hello, I haven't been here. We haven't talked about anything. But let me tell you, every time there's positive momentum, you always find something, someone to complain about. Someone you disagree with. Oh, I didn't like their cooking. Oh, I wish they would have chose me to volunteer. Oh, come on, somebody. You don't realize that you're under an influence of a spirit that came out of your genealogy. Stop putting your genealogy over the blood of Jesus. Stop putting your bloodline over Calvary's bloodline. Come on. Because the blood at Calvary's tree is thicker than the blood of your family tree. There's some things that you got to let the Holy Ghost shed off of you. I don't care if you were raised that way. I'm talking to you right now. Don't you bring that into this church and begin to take away the spirit of unforgiveness. Don't you come and intoxicate this church with that false doctrine that you were raised in. God didn't command this church to go that route. No, this church is unified. This church is going up in the rapture together. I said this is where black and white worship together this is where every ethnicity come on somebody don't impose your ethnicity on the church no why don't you oppose apostolic culture on your life Every, every time, well, that's not how I was raised. What, 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 what are you trying to do with how you were raised? Did you know that? Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus existed before you were raised? Did you know that there were principles that are more important than how you were raised? Well, I don't know. That's not how we did it. Well, is that how the Bible did it? Yeah. Well, what you arguing with the Bible for? Well, I don't like to worship like that. Well, you just don't like the Bible then. You don't like when the Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people. You don't like when the Bible says lift up your voice you don't like when the Bible says dance before the Lord that's because you're putting your own human genealogy over the word of God but it's time for the word of God to be loose in this building like never before I'm going to I'm going to minister to you in the Holy Ghost. And I'm about, to, I'm about to wrap up. I'm ministering to you in the Holy Ghost. There has been a spirit of unforgiveness on some individuals in this place. And I saw it Sunday, but I see it clearer now. Because you hide it behind the worship. You know how to hide it in the atmosphere. But when there's teaching like this, it just hits you right in the gut. I'm talking about Sunday when I preach this easier to hide behind that type of preaching. Than it is for me to just get down to your level and talk to you about what's actually hindering you from possessing the promised land. And it's choked out your joy. 
And you know what? It's choked out. It's beginning to spread like little, like little seeds in across this place. Because you wonder when you come to church, you're not coming to get in the presence of God. You're coming to see who else has been talking about you. You're coming to see if, if their friends or family are going to treat you differently. So you're looking behind every handshake, every smile. Even when they say, God bless you, you're looking for any hint of them having something wrong with you. And you know what? That spirit arises every time God is about to take this church to another level. That spirit comes and raises his head. And there's a division that comes. There's a chaotic spirit that gets loose. I'm talking to you in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, this is a great church. This is a powerful church church but I am telling this church right now that God is trying to take you to a place that is unprecedented but you're going to have to let go of some strange gods you're going to have to reconcile with your brother and sister you're going to have to make some things right can you lift up your hands and can you lift up your voice can somebody pray in the spirit can somebody pray that a spirit of forgiveness would descend on this building right now? Let me tell you. Let me tell you one of the reasons why God sent me here. Let me tell you one of the reasons God sent me here and to talk about this tonight. I was raised in a home that was filled with a victim mentality. Nothing was ever our fault. It's always somebody else's fault. And when you always blame people, you never look in the mirror at what's wrong with you. And I remember I was riding with my bishop. I'm telling you how to overcome it. It's like I said, you cannot cast out dysfunction. Dysfunction has to yield to the spirit, to the word, and to apostolic authority in order for it to be dealt with. I'll never forget riding in the car with Bishop Varnum. And I was just talking. It was like my second year in church. I was just talking. We were laughing. And he said, and I said something to the effect of, well, Bishop, with all that I've been, through my bishop smiled he said you know what your problem is I said hold on bishop you're smiling right now you're not about to rebuke me are you he said you know what your problem is I said what's that bishop he said you minimize your own faults and you maximize everybody else's faults when they point the finger at you you're like but you know that's just how I am 
Every time they pointed at you, you know that's just how I am. You know, I get emotional. I'm talking to you right now. You got an excuse every time and you say, but you. I'm telling you, there's a delivering spirit in this place right now. He said, you maximize your, he said, you maximize everybody else's faults, but you minimize your own faults. I said, well, he said, say yes, Bishop. I said, well, he said, say yes, Bishop. I said, yes, Bishop. And in that one moment, that word, I saw my whole family history. I saw my whole lineage filled with people that were victim mentality. And I realized that it was a spirit that was following me. And that one word, when I received it, it delivered me. And if I wasn't delivered in that moment, Pastor Kyle, I wouldn't be here today. I said I wouldn't have lasted another year. Because when you have a victim mentality, you're always looking for a way to leave and a way to escape. But when he told that word, it delivered me. Now, anything that happens, the first thing I do is I look into the presence of God and say, God, what do I need to do better? When's the last time you did that when something wrong happened? Maybe I came off wrong. Oh, there's a ministering anointing. I'm going to end it with this. I apologize. I'm going to try to end this. Oh, Lord. There was Jesus. Oh, Lord. There was a conflict. There was a conflict with two. With, with, I'll just tell you the story. I, I had a vision. I, when I had this vision, I had a vision of two people in our church that were, that were talking about me. That were, that were, they were jogging on this road, and they were just, they were just putting my name in the ground. And I could see the road. I could see them jogging. I could hear what they were saying. It was a vision. And so after that vision was over, I picked up the phone and called one of them. I said, "Hey, did you say such and such about me at this time at this place?" He said, yeah, Victor, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know if you were for me. I said, bro, you know that I'm for you, man. I just love you. I just don't want there to be any division in the body. We got to get this together. We don't need any wedges between one another. He said, I'm sorry. I said, man, I'm sorry if I came across wrong. We repented. We were good. I called the next person, the second person that was in that, that was jogging with him. I called him. I said, hey, did you say such and such about me with such and such at this time? He said, yeah, I said it. And what you going to do about it? Now, this convo went incredibly different. As I thought we were going to repent together. He, he said, yeah. And he said, and you're, a little, and, you're, and, you're, and you're a little weakling for calling me on the phone about it instead of meeting me in person. It, it, this is church folk, you know. I said, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I wasn't always saved now. I said, I said, well, I said, well where do you want to meet? And he said, the church. <laughs> what a perfect place to meet to have a battle. <laughs> Just, 
The, the church can turn into a boxing ring very quickly. Did you know that? We met at the church, and I, when we met at the church, I had I was sitting down in my car waiting for him to arrive. He arrived, and, and there was a water bottle next to me. And at that water bottle, I picked it up, and the Lord said, you're about to wash his feet. He said, you're about to wash his feet. I went into that meeting, Pastor. I went into that meeting. He began to just eviscerate me, just a bunch of misunderstandings. I said, look, bro, I'm just here for unity of the body. Me and you can't have aught with one another. I just want to make things right with you. Can I wash your feet? In that meeting, Pastor, he sat down, and I took off his shoes, and I just began to wash his feet and pray the blessing of God over him. I said, God bless his family, Lord. Lord, forgive me for every wrong that I've done. Lord, let the blessing of God be on his kids. Can I tell you, after I washed his feet, that guy's one of my best friends today. But it took somebody humbling themselves. Come on, somebody, so the body could thrive. Come on, no grudge is worth the body of Christ losing a revival over. Come on, somebody. We we got to humble ourselves and say, God, have your way in me. Come on, everybody, stand. Can you grab the person's hand next to you? Can you stand to your feet? Can you grab the person's hand next to you right now? There's some generational spirits that are being broken right now. Oh God, I lose the love of God in this place. I lose the unconditional love of God. We put our strange gods down right now. We reconcile with our brother. Oh God, I, I am broken before you. I humble myself even now I pray a spirit of forgiveness would baptize this church I pray a spirit of forgiveness would baptize every elder every young person every young married in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ let there be a love in our homes let there be a love in our marriage let there be a love with our kids let there be a love come on somebody live Lift up your voice while you're praying. I feel a spirit of forgiveness beginning to descend. I feel the blood of Calvary beginning to flow. Mama, 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 shut up.
Hallelujah. You, you have been wondering, you have been wondering why it's been tough for you to feel God. You've been wondering why it's been tough for you to break through. You've been wondering why you've lost the joy and your service in the presence of God. Where things have become more obligation than the joy you used to have. The Lord has exposed the spirit that has tried to sabotage the revival in this church for decades. Every time it's about to break through, that thing rises up. And it sends the people into a chaos, trying to wonder, trying to figure it out. And there's a, there's a gossip that goes undergirding. No one says it aloud. Just a few in the windows, a few hints. Because you don't address the elephant in the room out in the open. You whisper about it in the shadows. And God said, I cannot inhabit murmuring. I cannot inhabit gossip. Because I want to give you what you've been praying for, but I'm afraid there's a few whisperers that may sabotage it. And there's new people that come into this church. And when they come in, as soon as they go in with this particular clique, you never talk to them. And that new person doesn't even know what's going on. He didn't know that y'all were at odds. So he can never be your friend because he came in in that clique. God is addressing the thing that has been holding you back. Individually. The thing just rises up. It just rises up. And I'm it just rises up every time to just come and sabotage it. We know how to fake it really well in church. Fake the smile, fake the handshake, fake the worship, fake all of that. But God is addressing some things beneath the surface right now. And you know what? There needs to be some repenting to one another. I know we got to leave this place in a little bit. I apologize for holding you. There needs to be some people that you call. There needs to be some people that you reach out to tonight because it's critical to where we're headed. I'm telling you, God is about to break something through. The last thing Jesus said before he died, 
forgive them for they know not what they do. Then he said, it is finished. The last thing he needed to do before the process was finished was forgive. Lift up your hands one more time, and I just want you to pray that, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Come on, lift up those hands right now. God, I don't have to figure it out. I'm going to have Pastor Kyle come and pray over you. Come on, I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to figure out why it happened or what happened or who did what. But, Lord, just forgive them for they know not what they do. And forgive me, Lord, because I don't, I don't know if I've done anything wrong. The Lord is doing a self-examination in this building. Your forgiveness is going to usher in a revival. They're going to come in the love of God. By this show they know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. Lift up those hands as pastor prays in Jesus' name. While Stephen was being stoned, he said, Lord, lay this not to their charge. You know your heart's right that while they're stoning you, you can ask God to bless them. We're going to pray together right now as a church in unity, one voice, and we are going to break this spirit of unforgiveness. Father, in the power of the Holy Ghost, we come together one mind in the mighty name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, you said we're two or three gathered together, touch any one thing, pray and believe in your name, that you should do it for the glory of the Father that is in heaven. Lord, I cannot think of anything that would bring you more glory than for us to become like you. Lord, to forgive one another. So by the power of the Holy Ghost that abides within us, we come against this spirit in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray it with one voice. This congregation, we address it in Jesus' name. We plead the blood over it by the power of the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus. We speak to it right now in the authority of the Holy Ghost and by the word of of God. Lord, each and every one of us want to be forgiven, yet it cannot happen until we learn to forgive ourselves. We enter into that circle, oh God, to forgive, to let go, to, to set free everything that we are holding on to, no matter what has been done. We ask you, God, hold it not to their charge. Loose them. Bless them. God, I cannot be loosed until I ask you you to loose them father in the mighty name of the lord jesus christ break it god break it with your power break it with your anointing break it with your love let the love of god flow through us let the love of god overwhelm us we ask it in the mighty name of jesus we ask it in the mighty name of jesus let your love flow through me not bitterness let your love flow through me not vengeance let your love flow through me oh God we pray it oh Jesus we ask it in the mighty name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I want us to clap our hands to the Lord right now come on come on give a victory shout unto God open your mouth
Open your mouth, shout unto the Lord. Hallelujah! 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 Jesus! Jesus. 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 There's a reason why the Lord deals with unforgiveness so much in His Word. He always puts it on me. He puts it on you. He never puts it on the other one. He never puts it on someone else who may have done you wrong or may not. It's always about you. You forgive. You let go. You charge not. Amen. The Lord has dealt with the very root of every pain that's in every person in this building right now. He's dealt with the root. There is nothing more beautiful than forgiveness. It will bring peace to your life. It will bring health to your body. When we learn to forgive. When we learn to forgive. Thank you, Brother Victor, for the word. Brother Jackson, thank you for the word. Come on. Come on, let's give God praise for his word tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is a word you take home with you. This is a word you take home with you. I encourage you to go home and re-listen to this message. That's what I would encourage. I love you. God bless you.